This week, we're getting into a very critical topic that maybe some of you have never faced. Maybe you're new to church and you've never faced it, but give it time. Well, not in our church. There goes the mic. The devil don't like this. Whatever, devil, I don't need a mic. I preached without one before when it died, so take that. Church hurt is today's topic. Church hurt. Well, I don't know what that means. Someday you might. And so my goal as a pastor is to eliminate church hurt at one seed church so that you don't have to experience the church hurt at your old church. Here, I want to give you a passage real quick that this is based on. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 through 6. I think that zero degree weather did something to me today. I was out there like jogging around Highway K. It was really weird. Yeah, that's the pastor. I know it's weird, but I like it. It's good burn. But I think it did something to my, um, my brain a little bit maybe froze it. So Matthew chapter seven, verse one through six. Everybody say it together, verse one. Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. You know how cool people say it, do unto others and they, as, as you'd have them do unto you. That's, what, that's where they stole that from. Verse three, and why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank or the log, KJV, in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, brother? And look, a plank is in your own eye. That's like a log, a boulder. Instead of a little twig or a a wood chip, it's like a big old thing, like a telephone pole of judgment. Hypocrite, says the Lord. First remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. You notice that what was in the individual's eye was actually bigger than what they were noticing in the person they were looking at. God's saying something here. You're seeing the speck, but God's saying, what about the plank or the log? Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you into pieces. Jesus isn't messing around here. Hypocrite. I remember I said that word once to my dad and I I woke up on the floor. I'm serious. I didn't pass out, but I was on the floor and I didn't know how I got there. I was about 15 and I thought I was cool because I had just got on the junior varsity wrestling team, Nicole. I thought I was cool. And uh, I said, whatever, hypocrite, smack. I thought I saw Jesus. It was my dad did Kung Fu. I didn't know he knew. And I was on the floor. So I never said that again. But Jesus is not messing around here because this exists in the church. Doesn't that seem counter, counterintuitive? That the people of God would be hypocritical, that would be judgmental, judge not, but they would judge that all these things could, could occur in the church. Well, the church is full of people. They're not full of Jesus. They're full of people. Though we're supposed to be the body of Christ, we are still flesh and we are going to have our shortcomings. But the goal of the church is to eliminate this thing we call church hurt. Church hurt. As a person who grew up in church, I can't fully express to you the number of times I've seen people do things that hurt me personally or someone else. And as we launched One Seed Church and started getting to know y'all, somebody has often said how you've been hurt by your past church experiences, whether it be something verbal, something that was said through an experience that you went through, 
or it involves someone you trusted deeply at your church. Now, let me clarify. And sometimes people will blame the church for everything. And that's, that's sometimes there's just a people problem. Sometimes the person has an issue and they're never satisfied. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when the church really does screw up or someone in the church screws up and now it becomes labeled with the church did it. But it's really Sue or, or Susie Q or John Doe who said it. And now you have this vision of, that, of God this way. That's called church hurt. When you've let the comment or the thing now change your view of God's church. And the problem with getting hurt by the church is if you're not seeing the church for what it's really meant to be in your life, you limit it to just people's behavior. And you can actually become bitter, disgruntled, or someone who associates God with the hurt caused by an individual. How many have ever been hurt by someone in a church? That's a lot of hands. And there's hands I know that aren't going up. They probably would go up in their, in their mind. They're going up right now because kind of everybody's They've been to church. They've experienced something. But as bad as some people in the church have fallen, including leaders and even people who you have fully vested in, pastors, um, you know, youth leaders, and uh, just this awful things do happen in some churches because people maybe weren't grounded correctly, and so they went into too much and they slipped. That's a problem. We don't want that. But let's never forget who the church is and the mission it was meant to carry out. We have all fallen short, and people will always be people. But we pray you never hurt someone in the church. But today we'll address, we will address how to overcome and change the pain into spiritual gain. When you remember that the church was not a show you're going to watch on Sunday and that you are the church when you come to church and you, 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 you spread the gospel, you quit looking at the individuals the same way you did that hurt you. In fact, you might, you might start thinking how you can care for them I just thought of a really inappropriate story about a neighbor I got into it with years ago, and I can't share it because it was not good, but, um, but I'm going to share it anyway. So, so, so I, I got into with this neighbor, and he kept pulling his boat in my driveway. And uh, I grew up on a big piece of property with my mom and dad, so when I got, like, in a neighborhood, I wasn't used to, like, sharing the road. But this guy was pulling in my driveway with his boat to turn around because he didn't know how to actually back up a trailer, Rusty. So, um, so one day I kind of had enough. This was a long time ago, okay? I would never do this now, I don't think. Uh, this was a reoccurring thing, but long story short, it didn't end well. And I remember a few years later, a few months later, I saw his little boy get rushed to an ambulance. I saw an ambulance go to the house, and they took out a little kid. I don't know if you remember that, Michelle. And so my heart turned because I no longer thought of them as the enemy. I thought of them as a person who made a mistake. And I thought of them as a dad who has a child. And I thought of them completely different when I saw the child leave the house. And I forgot what I thought of the man in the moment of the situation with the boat because now I remember it, he was just like me. And that that could have been me. And so I'm sharing that because maybe through this message today, you might be able to go back in, in your mind to the people that did this to you and forgive them for you. Even if it's not for them, you can forgive them for you because you're holding that on. And that's, that's slowing your progress with God today. That's not a healthy thing. That's church hurt, or we, we church people call it baggage. That's baggage. Drop the bags off. Leave them at the airport. These are the kind of bags you don't need. See, we can extinguish church hurt by always modeling Jesus. 
not modeling religion, modeling Jesus. In fact, Jesus was kind of an outcast to his culture. You know, I'm not saying break the rules. I'm saying stay true to the scripture and you'll find that things work out differently in your conversations. That the church hurt won't exist in your church. We're going to always have, you know, as we grow, we're going to get little seeds here and there. But you till the gardens. And sometimes those people either change or they leave. Because sometimes they're on a mission to, to hurt and they don't even know they're being used by the enemy to, to saturate your culture and all these things. And we're so fortunate because we have this like really great culture here, which is everything we prayed for because we want everybody to feel welcome and not judged when they walk in, that we've all fallen short, amen? So together, church, whether you've been hurt in the past, we can extinguish church hurt going forward by modeling Jesus. And I'm gonna tell you a couple funny more stories today. Uh, it's funny in hindsight, right? When I got into, um, we got into planning this church, and these are just some more fresh church hurt things that I quickly had to learn. If you want to do this, this is part of the game. This is part of the deal. And, and it's funny now. You're going to laugh. This is really funny. But, but, like, before we even launched, Nate, when you were still driving past our Bible study signs and not showing up, thanks, there was, there was people leaving messages and stuff on our voicemail and on our, on our Facebook posts and all these things. They would say the craziest things. Crazy. And I noticed the theme was, they're all the same. Ah, oh, another church. They're all the same. I'm like, that's church hurt. How do you know we're the same? How do you know what we're even going to do? We haven't even had a service yet. So how do you know we're the same? One time, one time I'm going to share all this, and, and I, know, I know it's like uh, not PC, but it really will keep you awake, and you'll appreciate this. Uh, one, time, one time a guy said, oh, just what we need, another money-grubbing church in St. Charles County. And I laughed because I thought, oh, man, the devil's really got you fooled. And I knew that if he just came to church and experienced the genuine atmosphere of 1C Church, he would change his tone. Remember tone? We talked about tone, that your intent can be good. If your tone is off, it won't be received well, you know? And so his tone was really aggressive, and I was so sad for that person because that was the furthest thing from the truth. That was the biggest lie. It reminded me of the lie in the garden when, when the devil lied to Adam and Eve and said, are you sure that's what God said? And he told them to do the exact opposite of what God actually set up for them. The same thing, just years later. <laughs> another time I saw a post, I saw a comment on one of my own posts. It says, This guy wears feminine pants. I'm like, bro, they're jeans. Jeans are feminine. I think they were like too tight, Christine. That's when I was trying to skinny thing. Now I'm more in the slim fit, a little more loose, because I've matured in my pastoralship. And and I'm like, and this is from a Christian, Linda. This is from a brother in the Lord. Uh, no, uh, this guy's weird. He wears feminine, funny pants. Whenever this happens, I screenshot it and I send it to Michelle because it's funny. It's really funny. It's really good. I'll send it to my brother too, just so he can give me pity. Another time, this, I, got, I got a laundry list of these, but I'm only going to give you a few. Another time, before we launched, I, had a, I got a voicemail. And I've talked about this before, and if you're watching, I tried to, I tried to help you out, but you never responded to my call. And uh, I got this voicemail when we were no longer meeting on Wednesday nights. We were now shifting to getting ready to launch in January, Sunday mornings. And the website and everything said, you know, Sunday mornings. 
and everywhere you went said Sunday mornings, but I got this voicemail. I'm not bitter. I'm saying this because it's funny now. It's really funny, Debbie, and you'll laugh about this when you go home for lunch. And, and he says, I showed up there. There's a voicemail. I showed up there on Wednesday, and there was no one there. Just like that. I could see his face. And I'm like, well, yeah, it's because it's Sunday mornings in January. This was like November. In January, Sunday mornings, but, you know, I understand. So at the end of the call, I showed up there. He growled. He growled on the voicemail. I'm dead serious. I saved it. It was so special. I I have a bucket called Crazy Voicemails at Church. And it went in that and started a beautiful archive, Don. But I'm like, the dude growled at me. He growled. Now I'm going, that's church hurt. Who, who, who wants to come to service and growls at the end of their voicemail? That's baggage. That's something happened to that person. So I, in these moments, I, I kind of laughed. You know, your instinct is get annoyed, and then you laugh, and you go, actually, you have compassion because something happened to them. Ugh. Really? Who growls? One more recent, and this is so good. I probably shouldn't share this one, but I'm going to. We're advertising our billboards. We're trying to get the word out. There's a pandemic, I know. Are we telling people to go jump in the corona pit and catch the virus? No, we're saying once he church meets at the YMCA on blah, 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 blah. This is going to blow your mind, okay? Someone put thou shall not kill as a comment. Now, I got a lot of patience, Linda. But I almost responded to, I usually don't respond. I usually remove them so they don't create a negative vibe on our advertised threads because we want it to be good, you know? And I almost responded and I caught myself. I said, you can't because it's just going to stir more of it. Because, because when people are hurt like that, they won't, they won't let up. They're going to keep throwing more at you anyway. But I was so sad that they could go from this to the extreme by looking at once a church, YMCA, Sunday mornings to killing people. This was another Christian that said this. They were astute in the word of God. I don't know what translation, but, but um, the saint, I don't know what translation it was, but it was so mean. It was so mean, and I've, I've heard it all. I've been married 13 years. I've heard it all. Where's she? Just kidding, babe. Happy Valentine's Day. Uh, I've heard it all, and so nothing hurts, but this was so mean, and I was like, that's church hurt. They're all the same. It's all the same thing all the time. These people are so far away from what we're doing. And that's sad because they're the ones hurting themselves. They become jaded. It's a, it's a mentality. I've got a bunch of others that are even more inappropriate, and I won't even share those because we want you to come back. Just kidding. We do want you to come back. But the story wouldn't scare you off is what I'm saying. Church is an active experience together, and it's not to meant to be an observation from the Internet. We do that as a backup. It's not meant to be how we gather. There's a reason people get touched by God greater in person because we're meant to gather. And as a church goer, we can become corrupt with our own words to others. Anybody ever heard of the G word? Gossip. Oh, gossip is a big one in the church. Isn't it sad that the most gossiping individuals I've ever met in my entire life came from church? Isn't that sad? Let's all go to Steak and Shake, brother. Let's all talk about all the things we don't like that happened today. 
that's not the, that's not the gospel I'm reading. I'm saying, God, I'm really trying to like do it the way you presented it according to the book of Acts and according to the New Testament. And I don't remember that part. I experienced that part as a human growing up, but I don't remember that being in your gospel, so I feel like something's wrong. So that became, you know, part of my journey in sorting that out in my life because you start thinking that's normal. You start thinking it's, it's a good thing to talk about what they wore and how they looked and talk, 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 gossip, 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 gossip. I hate the word gossip. It's like a bad word in my house. Or if you want to be really biblical, you can say a tailbearer, a tailbearer then people won't even know you're saying they gossip because you can call them a terrible and they don't read the Bible anyway. So then they won't even know you're calling them a gossip right to their face. It's really cool. You should try it. Just kidding. Don't try it. They might smack you. But we can extinguish that from our house because this is God's house when we model only what he said to do, only how he behaved. If our tone is condescending or negative, it doesn't feel welcoming. If you're yelling at the Sunday school teacher because their kid did something you didn't like, that does not promote growth in a church. That destroys culture. Shout out. That happened to us a long time ago. We don't want that. That's not how we show who we are, by yelling at teachers. You know, like that's church hurt. That creates church hurt. And that makes people go home feeling rejected, makes them feeling not wanting to be uh, included. It makes them not feel like part of the team. It makes them feel like they're not good enough. But God says we've all fallen short. So everyone is welcome in my house, and we deliver every conversation with love, grace, mercy. It's okay to be um, transparent, but your tone is everything. Tone is everything. Otherwise, they leave going, they're all the same. They're all the same. Oh, this is going to be a good one for some of y'all. Years ago, I remember my mom, we went to church somewhere, and my mom saw an old person that she saw from like 40 years ago. And my mom had some pants on, and, and the lady said, God will get you for that. I'm dead serious. And she was serious. And shout out to my mom. She's Italian. <laughs> if you say something to her direct, you're going to get it back probably more direct. And I'm not knocking Italians. I think it's cool. I'm Italian. You know, it's, it's Italian people. Sicilian, actually. Messina, Sicil Sicily, I don't know. Anyway, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a 25% is what I was told. But God will get you for that. Who says that? Larry, I know you know what I'm saying here. God will get you. Like, what does that do to a person who doesn't know God yet? What does that do to someone who comes in starving for the gospel and the first person they see, they judge their pants and say, God, I'll get you for that. Do they leave going, oh, is this the greatest thing ever? They told me God was gonna get me. That doesn't work. And that's why you see those churches declining and collapsing because that's not gospel. That's not gospel. We're not talking about modesty. We're talking about tone. We're not talking about, you know, biblical issues. We're talking about cultural judgments that culture has applied. If we want to get biblical, I should be wearing a robe right now. If we want to be like that, you know? I had an argument with a lady in the foyer here a few, a few weeks ago because she said she wanted, to, she wanted to meet with me, but she didn't want to give me an email. She didn't want to plan a time. She didn't have a cell phone. She wanted to just meet at a random time without any planning by foot. And I said, I don't do that. Like, if you do that to me, I'm going to say, I don't do that. I, I'm a planner. Anybody knows me? I'm a planner, and, 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 and I hope she's watching because this was fun, and I appreciate it. It's making a good story in my sermon today. She, said, she says, um, 
That's how Jesus did it. I said, yeah, 2,000 years ago, I said, Jesus would have a Samsung Android today using the internet like everybody else. I'd said it. Mike was there. I don't remember if I said it that clearly, but I said, no, Jesus would be using cell phones and email because he was part of the culture he was living in at the time. So, so to claim that Jesus would still be walking around by foot in today's era, I challenge that theory. We don't know because he didn't live in this time. So I said, you know, Jesus has internet. It's, fa- it's high speed, of course. We don't do dial-up in heaven. That'd be a shame. I wouldn't serve a God who only used dial-up. <sighs> Sick. I'm a geek. I'm a technical geek. I'm letting it come out right now. But what happens when we start doing that over and over and over is we start creating our own tabernacle, our own church. I touched on it last week. I watched it back. I'm like, man, that was kind of firm. I'm thinking, hey, I think maybe they heard what I was saying, though. That's good. I try not to be firm all the time, but it's a dangerous place to create your own tabernacle. This is not... um, This is not church on demand where you pick and choose and you build your tabernacle. This is the tabernacle structure here. And so when you only pull out parts of the supplies that build the tabernacle, you start actually building someone else's tabernacle and it's not the Lord's. So when you start incorporating these these worldly things like gossip and and, and these one-off one-liners that destroy people and make them never come back to church with one simple, rude, nasty comment, and you should have seen this person, I almost said, well, look at what you're wearing. I didn't say that because my mom was there and I was standing there, but the flesh wanted to give it back, but we can't give it back because we're not like them. We're graceful. I'm sorry. Jesus loves you. I pray he gets through to you someday. Because you still think like that. The devil's using you. I would say that to her if I saw her today. I was probably 20 back then, so I was probably, I don't know, intimidated. Plus, my mom could handle herself very easily. And, um, but that's, that's what's happening is we're each building our own tabernacle. And that's a dangerous place. We start running away from God's house, building our own house, calling it his with all these adjustments we're making that are not in scripture. And if we find enough flaws and enough painful memories and enough things to trigger the same emotions every time you hear the word God, guess what you do? You start painting God as this villain. Your your view of God changes. Your view of church becomes completely not what God defined the church as. Good intentions are good, but when they're expressed wrong, Now we're running from God's house for 30 years. I'll just go next week and 30 years goes by. We can extinguish church hurt by always going back to modeling Jesus. Whenever you're not sure, it really works. WWJD, it really works. I don't care if it's corny, it's cliche, it works. And if you can't see in the scripture that Jesus would do it, it's probably safe to say this is not the way I should go. Remember when Jesus got mad and he turned over the money, the money changers? He left it at that. He didn't punch him in the face. He didn't pull a Constantine and march in and slew a city and said, the Lord told me. He didn't do any of that. That's not the new covenant. Even Constantine didn't know that. Way back, a few, you know, a few centuries after the Messiah came, he, he still was, they, they, it already started back then. They were, they were changing the word immediately. And it continues today. I pull in the pieces, build a nice tabernacle, that keeps me comfortable. 
The devil loves nothing more than for you to find a reason to stay away from God's house. Well, my schedule. Well, my this. Well, my that. Some things you can't avoid. I get it. This is coming from what the church used to call a backslider. I was a very bad backslider. Anybody heard of backsliding? Anybody? A few people. Linda, I know you know what backsliding. I know you know the term backslider because you're down like that. But as I've learned as a man, time is precious. And when I don't want to do something, I'll find a way not to do it. And when I when I am inconvenienced by something, I'll find a way to explain to myself why it's not comfortable enough for me to go do it. It's called uh, procrastination. It's like uh, Chloe cleaning her room. Well, Dad had me doing yoga, vocal lessons, and whatever else Dad has me doing. I ran out of time again, Dad, but I'm going to spend five minutes on it tomorrow, even though it needs like five days of work. That's procrastination. And she's only 10. But I'm trying to teach her now that if you keep delaying it, nothing will change. It'll become the same problem over and over. But if you want real change, God's house is how you find change. You come seek the Lord. Make it a full-time commitment in everything you do. I'm so proud of Mike and Christine. Everything, they talk all the time. They inspire me. Mike inspires me that some of the stuff you guys do at home. And it's so, it's so inspiring because they literally take the gospel into everything they're doing. Everything. At night, day, morning, they talk about God to each other, to friends. They're, they're really witnessing the gospel. That's, you're doing it. That is God's plan. And that is when we see the greatest growth is when we all do that together. Can you imagine? Because God wants to polish our imperfections. We may have had baggage, but God wants to polish up those imperfections because he is perfect. And if he is to be perfect in us, he can polish up our imperfections, our dull spots, our pain points, our, our, our bitterness, our resentment, all these things. He can polish those imperfections as he transforms us through his house and his word, through sanctification. Psalm 15. One through three, I love it. It says, Lord, who may abide or stay or dwell in your tabernacle? Who may dwell in your holy hill? Who, he who walks uprightly is who? And works righteousness is who? And speaks the truth, everybody say the truth, in his heart. Who does not backbite with his tongue, that's gossip, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor does he take up a reproach against his friend. That's who may abide in his house. And so that's not saying you can't come in. What's saying is when you come in, you're going to transform into someone who upholds Psalm 15, one through three, because God's word will wash you of those old inhibitions and habits and pain points and get it out of your garden. One seed, we talk about the garden a lot because it's your heart. And as you get one seed of God in there, one word of God, and you keep planting, it's going to multiply and the harvest is going to come and then it's going to recultivate and you're going to get more word in you and your life is going to be brewing this harvest that you didn't know existed. And then people are going to join you in it. It's so good. If y'all could stand with me this morning. You'll never find a perfect church but you'll always find a perfect plan of God because God's plan doesn't waver. Our faith is based on his word, not based on the failures of his people. So when we try to avoid it, of course, 
but when something happens, we get back up. God never abandoned us on the cross when he could have. You know, when he felt the sins of the world, I mean, not to get graphic, but it says he felt, felt the sins of the world. Do you know what that really means? It means he felt what a rapist feels like. He felt what a murderer feels like. He felt what all these awful things we could, our stomachs turn when we hear. That's what Jesus felt in the garden. Remember, he wept and he said, if it not be your will, Lord, take this cup from me. But thy will be done. So Jesus never abandoned or left or slept on you. He went to the cross anyway because he remembered the mission of God's word, not the people around him that slipped. All his apostles had issues. They got jealous. They got, they got egotistical. They got all these things. He had to cast the devil out of, out of Peter. Like he had to do all these things, but he never said, okay, that's it. He kept the mission, which is the church, at the top of the list. No place is perfect, but God's plan is perfect. Our, our vision is discover God's perfect plan made just for you. It's intimate and personal to your life, Eden. Your life, Linda, is personal. It's not a cliche. It's not a cliche, Evan. It's personal. It's personal. Discover God's perfect plan for you because your plan is unique for you that God designed before you were even born. Before you ever failed, fall to sin, God already had the plan for you can trust on that we don't do it like your old church because we're not your old church and if we brought in what you don't like about your old church we become your old church so we're a new breed we're a fresh garden and that's the way we want it we're grassroots for the gospel and that's the way we want it when we make our church about exalting him and everybody does that gracefully you won't find any hurt in this place because it'll be eradicated. And one more story as we close, I want to give you. Well, I did call the guy back who growled at me. My brother said, you should do it. And I was inexperienced. And what that did is he never answered. He never, um, he never called back. He never came to church. But I overcame a fear what the enemy tried to scare me with before we even launched. He tried to say, you're not good enough to do this. And I'll tell you one other thing that took me a long time to get over as a pastor and as a churchgoer is, and I posted about this the other day. I post a lot late at night when stuff's floating in my mind. A lot of times it's on what I'm studying for a sermon. And what I've learned in the journey is the greater you will to do God's will, the more distant the people closest to you will become that knew you before. And one of the hardest things for us personally to overcome is when we started this church is how many didn't show up that we thought would, that knew our hearts already, that knew our family, that knew the history of the evangelism my dad did, the other Gwaltneys, like all this thing. And it's not about ego, it's about trust. And like you think those people would have came and they never did. And me and Michelle would be like, okay, it's year two. They're going to come at least visit. Like, just once. We're not saying leave your church. Like, just come once. And so that was a church hurt we started feeling in the ministry. And I quickly learned, this must be really good because the devil don't like this. He's just trying to hurt us. And I remember, I remember one couple that we knew so well, really good friends, 
finally came once, just once. And that meant the world because I knew they at least took action to show they really cared about us. But what about all the other people that knew us since diapers, that knew us since Sunday school, Larry, that knew us, that never even said, we're proud of you, we believe in your mission, uh, you don't even have to come to church. They don't even, it's just like, it's like there's no conversation. Like it was the most isolating feeling. And I'm okay with that because, because God's doing a new work. But it took us two years at least to get through the, we would, we would bring back the church hurt. And I said, Michelle, we can't have that here. That's what the devil wants. We're not bringing that into this ministry. That's what the devil's using those people to do is to try to keep us in that stronghold that we shouldn't be here. I said, that's not God's will. It's God's will because we know we're shocking people and that people are avoiding because they don't know what to make of it because someone stepped out in faith and quit talking about it after church and actually went and started something different. You can praise for that because that's what it is. It took years and now we're all part of this together. So we're doing something so amazing. Again, that's rooting underneath the surface that if you do the backstory and you saw what God has started and where it is now and where it's going, oh my Lord, it takes time for the garden to root and for the harvest to come. But it will come through those who keep pushing the plow. They don't give up and say it's cold out. I got to push this plow if I want to feed my people. So we give thanks for that, and we stand on his word. And we're going to rise up a church that the world has yet to see in this area. And God bless all the other churches, but we want to be different. We want to, be, we want to bring it back so raw to the gospel that everybody goes, we want that. Let's bring it into our church. Let's bring it into our, our classes. Let's bring it in. Let's go back to the simplicity like God intended. It's going to be good. Every head bowed, every hand raised right now. God, we're thankful that we're the new breed of church in 2021 and that we're raising up a new culture that got a little saturated in the soil, but we're eradicating the weeds, God. We're getting rid of the weeds so we can brew something fresh, something life-changing because your word never stops delivering harvest. And we're going to stand on that until the day we die. And we're going to keep breathing life into people because you breathe life into us. And we give you all the praise right now and all the glory. And if the house of God could say, in Jesus' name, amen.